Welcome to Making America Strong Again, the only program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation with stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Join fellow patriots as we rediscover our past, reignite our future, and celebrate America now. Well, welcome to Making America Strong Again. This is Steve Old. It's my privilege to be with you today in this brand new year of 2016. We're excited about the future. We're excited about uh, where the country's headed. Actually, we're not excited about where the country's headed right now. We're here to do a little shift on that. So we'll, uh, we're going to talk about some, some ways to do that. But I want to thank all of our uh, iTunes listeners that are now downloading our Making America Strong Again podcast every week and sharing it with others as well as those that go to patriotpodcast.com it's been uh, been an exciting time as we've spent the last week or so looking at the new year really beginning to get our arms around some of the big ideas that are motivating americans to look at things a little differently and, and really get inspired and get behind some things that will not only make their lives better but make the future of their families and the future of our nation even stronger. So one of the questions that comes up a lot, and we've talked about it over the last uh, the last year, is what are we really doing for the next generation? What are we doing for our children and our grandchildren? And of course, those of us in the geezer generation like to sit around and pontificate about what we think our children and grandchildren are thinking. And just like we did when our parents did that to us, we told them they were wrong. They have no idea what we're really thinking. They think we know, but we don't. And all of those sorts of things. But in all seriousness, part of the challenge that we have right now is that so many things have happened in our nation that have changed the dynamics. They've changed the financial dynamics. They've changed the economy. They've changed relationships between countries, all sorts of things that ultimately have a massive impact on our kids and our grandkids. So we thought we would kick off the new year with a little bit of a different perspective. And we actually have somebody from the millennial generation that's going to be visiting with us. We're going to talk through some of these ideas and get her perspective because it's it's something that matters and it's something that uh, comes best first person. So I'd like to introduce and welcome to our program, Sarah Cruz. Sarah, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Uh, and in full disclosure, Sarah <laughs> is actually my daughter. She is my number two baby girl. And uh, she is uh, a great gal, has been through uh, a tremendous upbringing. <laughs> How's that for self-serving? Uh, now, what, I mean, what do you expect a dad to say? That's the way we work around here. So part of, <laughs> so part of what we're here to do, though, is to, to actually get some perspective um, on, on her generation and, and what she's seen. So, Sarah, you're, uh, you graduated from college, but now you're, you're back in the, uh, the college environment. Tell us a little bit about your, your college experience and what you're studying now. Well, originally I went to Indian River State College um, locally here in Fort Pierce, Florida, um, and I originally studied organizational management. Um, I got my bachelor's degree in that back in 2012. Um, since then, I've just been getting management experience, um, but recently, as of last year, um, I found a new love for physical therapy, um, so I'm currently going back to school for that um, and applying for a program this year. So um, it's just something that uh, strikes home for me, so physical therapy is definitely where I would like to be. 
So you originally got a degree in organizational management. You were also um, you were one of a, a growing number of, of kids that have been through a homeschooling environment. You kind of had a composite uh, traditional uh, grade school education and some homeschooling then back into a to a, a, a progressive high school that combined not, not only a charter high school but also being able to go to college at the same time. Tell us a little bit about what that was like and and uh, and that sort of thing. Well, I think just stemming from the homeschool experience, um, it was very beneficial um, really having that quality one-on-one experience, um, learning more in-depth about issues that actually matter. Um, it was very beneficial. Um, I enjoyed it very much. Um, and then going back into high school, you know, it, it just wasn't doing it for me that first year. So um, what I looked more into was the college experience and dual enrolling, um, which had many perks and benefits of doing so. So um, I went ahead and pursued that and I was able to graduate with my associate's degree. So how does, for folks that aren't experienced or don't understand what dual enrollment is, how does that tra- traditionally work? Um, so with dual enrollment, um, when you're in high school, you are able to for the most part, qualify for taking college classes. And um, if you are qualified, the, the high school will pay for your fees and your books. Um, so with us, it's basically a free college experience. And it's up to you how much you want to take on. As long as you can handle it, they will continue to pay for it. Which is great, and especially, and, and obviously this is going to depend on your county and state and where you are and what kind of programs they have available, but there, there's a big interest, obviously, in helping young folks really get smart, get engaged, and also have practical experience. So you now you come out of a high school environment with an associate's degree, you're going into the workforce. One of the things that's of interest to a lot of us uh, as we're trying to imagine what it's like now being a young person, the the challenge with the cost of going to college the pressure where in, in our era, uh, having a high school dec- diploma was required, a bachelor's was kind of optional. Then it became you really need to have a bachelor's if you're going to move into a lot of the professional scenes. Now it's beyond that. You really need to have an advanced degree, and a bachelor's is kind of like a high school degree was was what it was for us. So when you think about it, what, what's it like? Can you can you give us a little perspective on what it's like for your peers? In the you know, just trying to figure out what they're going to do in college is it is it stressful? Is it something they look forward to? Are they trying to get out? What's what are um, people thinking? Honestly, I think it's a mixture of a little bit of everything. Um, I've had plenty of friends that just get their general AA, saying, "Oh, I'll figure it out later. I'm not exactly sure where I want to be right now." Um, then I have some that are dead set on being a veterinarian or you know going into the medical field. It really there's a wide variety, um, and they. You know, they either know what they want or they're pursuing a general interest to find out later on what they want to do. Do most uh, most young people coming out of high school, do they want to go into advanced education or are some of them more interested in just going into the workforce or what's your what's your thought there? Um, I, I think they're pursuing education. I think they do want that. They, you know, they want the education under their belt to show where they've been um, and to use it in their future. Do they get stressed out about the money, about student loans? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um I mean, a lot of the people I know don't exactly come from money, and they don't obviously have that opportunity right away. Um, so most of them do look for scholarships or grants, way to just get through college that way. So they're they're interested in finding a way that doesn't put them into deep debt on Correct. the way out the door. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this question. Um, obviously, you grew up in a household where we talked about a lot of stuff, <laughs> geopolitical activities. That's one of the, the benefits of, of having a – a family-run business that is based out of home. 
sometimes it can be a benefit, sometimes it can be less <laughs> less so. Um, but one of the things that obviously we grew up, you know, with you and Savannah talking about the things that are happening in the world and our perspective and so forth. What does what does your peer think about what's happening in the world? Do they care? Are they more concerned with um, young people's issues? I mean, what what's it like being a young person and your perspective on the country? Well, you know, I'd like to say that everyone I know is extremely interested in what's going on in the world um, and has a deep interest in it. Um, but honestly, it's far and few in between. Um, I don't come across many peers that know much about what's going on in the world or have an interest in it. Um, it's only when you start to talk about it that they're like, oh, really? That's that's what's going on? You know, they're, they're more concerned with the Kardashians and um, other social media that's going on in the world. Um, so... It really is a wake-up call, I think, um, just seeing how uneducated they are. What, what do you think um, gathers the most attention for uh, the folks in your age bracket? What, is there a particular – I mean, are they concerned about terrorism? Are they concerned about the, the economy? Are they concerned about uh, – what are they concerned? Is there anything that in your engagement with, with your peers that when they hear about it, they go, wow, I, I need that – I need to stop and pay attention to this, or do they just go, oh, wow, that's novel and I haven't thought about it? What what really happens in that I mean, if something hits home for them, if there's something local going on and that really impacts them, that gets their attention. Um, of course, acts of terror is awful and um, it, it really grabs their attention, but then it fades away um, and they don't really dig into it. Like, you know, they just don't think, oh, what can I do to change that? Um, how can I impact that situation? So... You know, it, it takes them back for a little bit, and then they forget about it. So the horror gets their attention just like it does for any any normal person. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, okay, I'm back at, you know, I can't do anything about that anyway, so I'm just back at my, my school or my job or whatever it is. Right. Does the the economy, in terms of looking forward uh, to having a family, you're, you're now married, mm -hmm. and obviously um, kids on the horizon – Sometime and we're in no hurry for that paid <laughs> political announcement where I'm not ready for grandkids. <laughs> I can only I can only handle so much. Um, <laughs> so, but what one of the things that's um, that's that I always wonder about is does the stress of the economy um, how does that impact young people or does it? Honestly, I don't think they think about it um, as much as we we might think they do. Um, of course, it's going to impact you know their future jobs, you know, why are you going to middle school if that degree isn't, you know, you're not going to be able to put it to use. Um, but I honestly don't even think they're they're thinking about it. Does it, if it was to be brought up in conversation, are there parts of that that will engage them, even at their future debt, or is it just so far out of context that it just doesn't, I mean, it doesn't play? I mean, I, of course, with certain individuals, you're, you're going to hit it, but... For, for most people, it's just not a... It's not a concern. No, unfortunately not. Okay, that's exciting. So um, <clears throat> we're going to take a break in just about a minute. But before we get there, one of the, one of the uh, ideas that many of us have had is that when you when you connect a young person who's really interested in having a great career, a great job, with folks that have been there and done that, some uh, mentors that are experienced at making money, um, do you think young people are interested in connecting with those folks that would mentor them, very successful people? Does, does that interest them, or do they not want to hear from the, the geezer generation? Some of them might, um, and, and it'd be a select few. You, you know, it's it's one of those things that 
it's tough to get their attention in the first place. So mm. keeping the interest of them um, is important. And I mean, it's, it's obviously worth a shot. Um, I think there are, you know, individuals out there that are, are interested. Um, it's and just, they're the leaders, right? Right. They're, they're, they're the leaders that we're after. So when we come back from the break, we're going we're gonna to take that idea of leadership and talk about specifically what we can do here in 2016 that's going to make a difference to our young people and, and to our country at large. So we'll be right back. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about national restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com. This is Steve Schwartz with pdgo.com. We've been in business for over 15 years and have created over a thousand websites for clients across the USA and across the world. We help our clients have a custom, affordable website, and we teach them personally how they can very easily update the information on their websites themselves anytime they want to without being a techie. Take a look at pdgo.com and see samples of our work and testimonials that clients have said about our service. pdgo.com. Again, pdgo.com. At SurfPro of Vero Beach, no job is too big and no question is too small. So when fire, water, or mold damage strikes your home or business, call on SurfPro of Vero Beach at 772-770-0501. That's where you'll find a team of specialists that's faster to any size disaster. So when the things that matter most are on the line, make sure SurfPro of Vero Beach is too by calling 772-770-0501. That's SurfPro of Vero Beach, helping make fire, water, and mold damage like it never, ever happened. Franchises are independently owned and operated. Hi, this is Kelly Fisher, a supporter of the Making America Strong Again mission and your local real estate professional here on the Treasure Coast. It has been my honor to serve our community here in Vero Beach since 2003. And with over 1,500 home sales over the past 21 years, it's my hope that you will consider the Kelly Fisher team at Treasure Coast Sotheby's International Realty for all your real estate needs. It's also our desire that every family has a home and every home has a family. And we have partnered with the Homeless Family Center of Vero Beach to work toward that goal. When you buy or sell a home with the Kelly Fisher team, we will make a substantial contribution toward alleviating homelessness in our hometown. To be a part of this great mission, please call us at 772-321-6905. Welcome back to Making America Strong Again, the program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation with stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Once again, here's your host, Steve Olds. Well, thanks again for being with us here today on the Making America Strong Again radio program. And it's a great program uh, from my vantage point because I get a chance to sit and visit with uh, with. One of my baby girls, Sarah Cruz. So, Sarah, thanks again for being with us today. Thanks for having me. You betcha. So, it's kind of funny. I was I was talking with one of the new members of our uh, of our management team earlier in the week, and and uh, we were just getting to know each other about families and so forth. And I was telling her, she asked me about kids. I said, yeah, we have two baby girls, and they said, well, um, you know, how old? And I said, well, they're both married. <laughs> like. They're baby girls, yeah, but so that's part of dad's perspective. Um, and I think there are a lot of parents in America right now that have children and grandchildren that we understand what's on the horizon because we can see it and we have the experience. Um, unlike when we were growing up, there was time to figure a lot of stuff out. 
one of the biggest challenges we face right now is your generation doesn't have that luxury. And you don't know what you don't know, like us. We didn't know what we didn't know either, except that in this particular case, it's incumbent upon us, our generation and the generations in between, that get to the leadership and the younger generation so that the leaders in your world, the young men and women that see what's coming over the horizon and trust the older generations enough to step up before you would normally find that to be the case. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we have because when you're out of time, you know, for example, the one of the big issues, how do you understand what it means to be $19 trillion in debt? I mean, it's just, it's just a big number that makes no sense. I mean, I don't have $19 trillion. I don't even know what that means or how many zeros it is. But the reality is it has huge impact on you when 84% of every dollar you come in has to go to pay the government's costs and their interest. What does that leave you with? Not much, right? So we were talking earlier about developing leaders and developing and really connecting with young leaders who are interested in different subjects. Do your peers think about uh, becoming leaders in in different areas? How How does leadership come across to young people? Honestly, I mean, depending on the career field they choose, I think it it definitely shows where they want to be and if it's a leadership type role. Um, Do they pursue it? Are people interested in becoming leaders? Is it talked about in the in the collegiate and high school environment? Honestly, not much. It, it's really not promoted as much as you would hope. So if we go to young people and offer them the opportunity to kind of get on a leadership track, does that does that interest? You know, the, the folks that you think when you when you talk to the peers that you say, you know, that you recognize leadership skills in them because mm-hmm. you're a leader. You, you run several you've run retail mm-hmm. organizations with, you know, up to what, 60 employees in different places. Mm-hmm. So, you know what leadership is. Um, you've experienced it. You've been around it. You've been you've come from a, a military family. Both your mom and I were both Air Force officers. So you had that experience. So you saw leadership in a different context than a lot of young people do. Um, our our premise is that young people that begin to experience that, they get to see what leadership looks like up close and personal. Do you think that is that will bring more people out that say, you know what, let me let me learn more about that? Is that intriguing to them? Yeah, I think it's beneficial. You know, um, but they have to be exposed to it. You know, at the end of the day, if they don't see it every day, it's something that never crosses their mind. So, what what kind of environments do you think are most um, most engaging for young people where do they you know exposing them to stuff is it you know live events is it experiences is it casual meet and greet type stuff where they get to know people what what brings people out i mean all of those things you mentioned can definitely bring about um that spark the interest of them um i mean just in school you know mentioning leadership (laughs) would be great um i guess that would be a good start wouldn't it (laughs) that honestly would at least reach them um they may or may not care to listen but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's true um, and we do need leaders in the community. So, Well, you know, there's a um, – Zig Ziglar once said um, that there's one radio station that everybody listens to, and it's WIIFM, What's In It For Me. Mm-hmm. So if, a, if young people begin to get the idea that becoming a leader is connected to making more money, uh, having a better position, having a title um, – what is it that motivates young people now? Are they are they interested in in big cash? Are they interested in uh, having a title with a you know a business card with a nice title on it? Are they interested in a company car? What what are the things that you think drive a lot of young people? What motivates them? 
I mean, definitely at the end of the day, <laughs> they do want that cash. Um, they they want to know that their hard work is paying off. Um, they want it to show. So whether it, it is a company car or, you know, paid cell phone, whatever it is, um, they want to see that return. Um, Does recognition help? Do they like to be publicly recognized? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there's another saying that says um, recognition. Uh, babies cry for it and men die for it. You know, and that's been true through the ages. So what about what about entrepreneurship? What about small business ownership? What about um, the idea of being their own boss? How does that play out? That's something I do not hear much. Um, a handful of people possibly in the last year that I know that have sparked an interest in it and actually have followed through on it. Um, but that's something I don't think they really know that much about. Um, maybe if they knew more about it. They'd be more interested, but at this point, they think, "I just want to work for someone. I just, I just want to get the paycheck and, you know, be successful." Right. They don't even think about going the extra mile um, to be their own boss. So, and they don't probably understand the economics of entrepreneurship. They don't understand the tax benefits. They don't understand much of that at all because they're not taught. That, was that a big part of your your high school or college education? Honestly, no. <laughs> I didn't hear much about it, other than, of course, at home. Um, no, not not in the school area. So when when we think about young people um, being inspired, if if we pull them into an environment where they can learn about uh, companies, they can learn how to be better employees. Uh, they may learn how to get on a management track. That's one of the things with our entrepreneurial apprentice program. We know across the board, most people are not geared to be entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are a, a small percentage. But one of the challenges that most people don't understand what entrepreneurs go through to create jobs, and therefore there's a, there's a lot of challenge that we have in the media right now with the people that own the companies are, you know, sometimes they're painted as the bad guys. We want to take the money from our employees. We want to take the value from the customer so we can give them as little as possible and keep all the money for ourselves and go to Tahiti. Well, you've grown up with it. You know that's not the case. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is – if we can engage those young people so they understand that you could get a good job as a manager, you could get a good job working for an entrepreneur, but come on inside and see what really happens. The idea to be part of a company and, and be that kind of apprentice. Does the idea of being an apprentice, Does that? how does that strike you? Is that of interest? Does it, um, does it cause you, you want to go, well, why would I want to do that? I just want to go work for somebody. Does learning in real time like that, uh, you think that would interest the young people? Again, it's a small percentage of them that will be interested in it, um, I feel. Um, but I think it would be beneficial for a lot of people. I mean, just giving them that exposure and showing them this is what your life can be like, you know, if you do pursue this. And um, I think they just need that extra push to get there. So what if what if we have a conversation with young leaders in the community who, who do understand it and say, you know what, I've known maybe my parents were business owners or my grandparents or I knew somebody from church that was – and if I could get an opportunity to become an apprentice and just meet some of these people and and go off site and go to places where they're hanging out, so you combine travel and fun things where they get to meet people, um, and then those leaders then share it with their peers. Would it? Do you think it will change the opinion of a lot of those young people if they hear about it from others of their peers that go through this process and like it? Sure. I mean, it's all about word of mouth, and if they're hearing it from their friends they'll take more of an interest than just hearing it from an older generation. So, <laughs> so what are you saying about the geezer generation, <laughs> oh. Sarah? Yeah. 
That's right. We're, we're crossing that line again, aren't we? So, but but that's really important. And so, from our vantage point, the the most important part is that we can connect with a with a group of young leaders that have a varied number of interests. Pull everybody together and say, okay, let's let's figure this out together. Does working together does that that seem like fun? Sure. That's good because yeah. now we're out of time. Uh, we're just <laughs> wrapping up the the, the program here. But I, I want to thank you, Sarah. Uh, all seriousness um, or all kidding aside, um, your mom and I are extraordinarily proud of you and your sister, Savannah. And uh, well, and it's exciting to have you here with us and, and to share your perspective with those across the country that are learning about making America strong again. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. All right. We will talk to everybody next week. Have a great week. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about national restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com.